Welcome back to Designers in Progress with your hosts, Kieran and Ollie, the founders of the Student Design Showcase. We're two graduate designers currently studying for our masters on a mission to inspire and showcase student designers' work across the world. With exciting guests joining us along the way, we'll be talking about the journey of a young designer, providing useful insights into how you can improve. So if you want to learn more about the ever-changing world of design, be sure to stick around. Hey guys, welcome back to Designs in Progress with Ollie and Kieran. Today, we got Dave from Nike Designs joining us, who's going to talk to us about his latest ventures in his business. We're also going to be talking about internship opportunities, how to get them, what to do when you're on them, and also junior design positions. Let's start the interview. All right, hi guys. We've been joined here today by David, as we mentioned before, from Nike Designs, who's just going to tell us a little bit about himself to begin with and the company. So, David. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me on. That's all right. Thank you for joining us. So um, do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, So my name's Dave. I run a design consultancy down in Brighton. Um, Decided to make the jump away from working in London, like most other places are. Uh, I graduated, what you guys are probably interested in, is I graduated in 2014, so not a million years ago, uh, from Brunel Uni. (laughs) Uh, I did a placement while I was there, so I went out to China and I worked uh, with a few companies over there. I started my life kind of doing lighting design, working on LED fixtures, uh, street lights, things like that. Um, And then post-uni went into, did a kind of couple of contracts, decided to move away from London and, and then went into the consulting world, which I've been in ever since and then set up Nika in uh, late 2016 so we've been around for just about four years now. That's awesome what sort of work do um do Nika get on with so I've seen recently on your Instagram you've been doing a sort of soap uh, hand sanitizer dispenser obviously for the coronavirus yeah. is that sort of is it that sort of market which you've found it shifted to or? Um, it's a good question and it's the million dollar one that I get asked by friends, family, new clients is what do you guys do and what are you good at? Um, the the response to that is kind of um, that we specialise in not specialising, uh, which I know is a difficult thing to grasp. The analogy I generally type, like to use is think of um, the design process maybe like Lego bricks. So. Yeah. You get given um, a, a set of Lego bricks. Each one in of itself is kind of fun, but not super useful. But you can start building things when you get multiple Lego bricks together. And I would say um, the design process, at least as I see it, is kind of like you might have a four block red one, which is your, um, I'm getting too granular here, which is your um, not <laughs> concept generation, your sketching. You might have one which is CAD work, whatever, all of these hard skills. But it doesn't really matter what you start applying that to, whether someone comes at you with a medical product, whether someone comes at you with a bit of furniture. Generally speaking, yeah. unless you get into niche industries, you can start applying yeah, you've what got you the build with those Lego bricks. Exactly. Yeah, you've got um, the foundations to work around any sort of like design challenge that comes your way. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, that makes sense. And the value Sorry, then... I suppose it makes you more one specialised is stronger really then in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Awesome stuff. So um, we're just going to move on to a few questions from us then about internship and job questions. So obviously right now with everything that's going on, this is a hot topic for especially graduates such as ourselves and even people going into their sort of first and second years when it comes to internships, how they can get their foot in the door at the company. So um, so yeah, what what is it you look for in a candidate? Do you have any rules that you tend to follow when you're searching for an for sort of like a junior position or an internship? Obviously, there's hard skills. Um, you yeah. want someone that's going to come in and actually perform a job that is valuable to a project. And by hard skills, I mean, you know, you're good at sketching, you're good at uh, CAD, you're good at rendering, blah, 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 blah. But um, the thing, especially with the internships, but with junior designers as well, is we in the hiring business world are conscious of the lack of experience that you might have and so it more comes down to personality which i know is a difficult thing to yeah. reconcile and uh, you can't change your personality <laughs> but it's more like exhibiting your personality uh we're always looking for people who have willingness to learn is a huge thing because Definitely. you're going to be learning a lot and how quickly you can take that on board and start applying it is massive um a want to go outside your comfort zone i would say yeah. it's a pretty pretty huge one and how how exactly would people sort of like demonstrate this to you so if if you were looking at someone how would you know that they're that kind of person uh it can come across in a few different ways it can come across just in the um you, we've all spoken to someone that lights yeah. up when you talk to them about a topic. It doesn't matter what it is. It might be your grandma when she's talking about knitting something, or it might be your girlfriend when she says something lovely about, I don't know, whatever she's into. Uh, it, everyone has the thing which makes their eyes glow and you see it in someone and you kind of want to see that. And I know this is an intangible, but you see it in people. No, you definitely. see this kind of, um, their, they pick up the pace when they speak. They get excited about the proposition of going in this direction. And so, um, and that comes with language. It comes with a having looked into what the industry actually is, having yeah. some people that you look up to and quoting them and using them as, as people that you aspire to. Um, have We know that you're not going to have a huge amount of uh knowledge that will back it up necessarily but you can learn so much just from googling around yeah that having, having shown that, that yeah having shown that you've done that on your own back and that you're bringing that to the table from from day one is is good that's really great thank you very much so going a bit deeper into it um what, what do you look for specifically you know in a, in a portfolio or personal resume <laughs> that's the million dollar question isn't it um yeah, definitely it's i will prefix this by saying it's real difficult everyone is individual and a portfolio is a self-portrait so um for me to say how you should paint your self-portrait is um who am i to tell you what's the best way to present yourself yeah. there are some tropes that help um it's almost as good talking about things that i've seen that play against you so lack of clarity is a big one um people show up with with portfolios that are busy and confusing and 
focusing maybe on something that isn't applicable to the skills you're actually trying to present. Sure. So having that focus when you're presenting your work into sort of like the design process, how you got to where you got to, yeah. is, that, is that an important part? or? Yeah. For, if I were to give you an example, um, quite a lot of people I see lean into a graphic design trope yeah. or a quirk or something in the way they're communicating a page that has nothing to do with their skills, nothing to do with what they're actually trying to present. They just put a quirk into their graphic design because they think that's going to get them seen and noticed. Um, But the chances that you're going to pull that quirk off how you think you're going to pull it off are relatively low. And all you're doing is risking that I look at your portfolio and that's all I see is the quirk done badly and not exhibiting your ideas. And all of your good skills are going to be undermined by you trying to make your page look like uh i don't know it was stuck on with tape in photoshop or um that it was a set of post-it notes that you photoshopped over or a top-down view of a desk that you've photoshopped your sketch onto a book or something like this there's a million and one tropes that yeah look good in your head but really are you going to execute it good enough to show it off if not just focus on the work don't go to yeah let the work do the talking rather than the frame yeah. which you're presenting it in yeah that makes no that makes perfect sense and regarding sort of a cv as well so do you, do you look much at the cv or is it more the portfolio you spend most of your time looking at cv is to be blunt relatively courtesy courtesy look when yeah. when we have a portfolio to see as well um it's good to know that you're a human that has other things going on in your life that you've done other jobs it's I wouldn't necessarily want to progress with someone without a CV. Yeah. Um, and obviously it gives me the ability to reference and do all of that good stuff. Um, but we are in an industry where the portfolio is exactly substantially more important. Yeah, I think I think this is where design is so different from any other industry. I mean, if you go for just a job, you know, in like banking and finance or, or any other sector, often it is the CV. They look at so much about what experience you've got what you've gained, like your, your results from your A-levels and from university. But in design, it's so much about that portfolio, isn't it, where it's just about what you've actually done within the subject already so that you can see what sort of designer you are. Yes, so, yeah. The only, so point, the only point I might say now I'm thinking about it is you can actually do yourself a disservice with a CV. So whereas yeah. a CV might... Um, might be something that I'm not necessarily looking at to make a decision on whether I hire you. It might play against you if, again, you've lent into some kind of uh, graphic design or, or or some trope that you're going with, or you've put unnecessary things in there. Yeah. It, it's pretty clear that it's an example for you to show graphic design, really. And if you're showing that you can't even present your current position in a way that's clear and i can read in 20 seconds um that's a little bit of a red flag that may actually play against you so weirdly it might be doing uh the counter to what you want to do yeah no i I can completely understand that so now that we've sort of established the portfolio is sort of the main way into a design job or a design internship what what to you makes a difference between a really good portfolio and just one which 
you might not even look at for more than like 10 minutes like straight away firstly 10 minutes is a long time yeah i realized after i said it 10 minutes is a while (laughs) but say they got say they got through the first initial stage what would differentiate a really good one from just a a good one i will pick up on that actually and run with it because it's it's a good point like build your portfolio thinking that someone is going to be spending yeah honestly maybe 90 seconds flicking through pages and yeah. i've got to be drawn in in that time and then i'm going to reread it if i'm excited um then i'll start going into depth then i'll start trying to pick at it but I, my first course of action is is to open your email open up your application open up your portfolio or go on your website and now i'm just going to flick so that idea that 10 minutes i might yeah. spend on the person that i choose to hire i might spend 10 minutes max on their entire portfolio right the way through the process so what can you read in that amount of time yeah you can't read giant blocks of writing um for sure so Def- definitely i think that's a wake-up call to a lot of people i said 10 minutes by complete mistake then i meant to say like 30 seconds or 10 yeah. seconds but i think a lot of people who who haven't been through the mill won't actually realize that a portfolio is to begin with just glancing across a pile of them and seeing yeah. which one really does stand out to you so That's yeah. interesting yeah i like i like that uh, that way of thinking about it of thinking about your portfolio almost in phases so phase one is the first glance phase two is almost the first sentence you know phase three is then how in depth did you go into the project and you know, almost think about it someone's almost going through a pile through different steps and then yeah. as each one you've got to bring something new to each each time they look at it so you can every um... single time you've got to impress you can it's the classic uh graphic design trope but you've got to think about hierarchy um there's a good book can't remember the author but it's called um breaking the grid uh don't quote me on that um it uh or how to break the grid or something um read that that'll teach you everything that you need to know about like the fundamentals but essentially i'm going to go through the page i'm going to read a title look at some pictures and that'll be it for my first run. Then yeah. I might go through and see your the first sentence. And then if you're lucky, I'm going to read a paragraph on a page. Um, and so think about it maybe in that hierarchy. How What, what does your eye skim across? Look at um, magazines and newspapers do this really, really well. This hierarchy of, of um, graphic design. And if you look through them, you're going to see your titles, your subtitles, your body. And uh, and you can read a newspaper in 30 seconds and get an idea of what's going yeah. on in the world. And it's kind of like that, but for your portfolio. So now that we've talked about standing out and everything in a portfolio, how important would you say it is? Lots of people's portfolios are full of just pretty renders. They've got uh-huh. these amazing renders of final products and everything because they think it's going to stand out. In your opinion, do you prefer a portfolio which is super clean super crisp got loads of pretty renders or one which you can actually see a bit of the design process where they have got some rough sketches in there and they have got some demonstration of prototyping which maybe doesn't look as pretty but shows a more you know a, a more value of the design process you can actually see the route they've taken to get to this final pretty render absolutely um to be awkward here i might say that the two are not um Uh, are not polar opposites you don't have to choose between the two of those things my first the first thing i would say about this is 
you're probably pitching your portfolio. If it's to a company like mine or, or bigger ones, you're probably going to be pitching your portfolio to people who know about the design world, who Definitely. maybe are de- likely going to be designers themselves, likely yeah. have Instagram presence, uh, are have a touchstone in what's going on in the world. So a bit like you guys will be able to, you can see through the haze of what is uh, what is BS and what is real. We are we are geeking out on your projects with you. We are trying to see what's going on in between. And when you look at a render on Instagram, if you're in the design world, you can you can see how much has gone into that. Yeah. Definitely. And so, if you can see it, then the people who are hiring you most definitely can. Um, so obviously, by that metric, I want to see more depth. But if I don't think this idea that showing prototypes, showing development work isn't doesn't have to be beautiful or can't be presented well is that's a bit of a misnomer at least in my opinion. Um yeah. you're going to need to learn how to extol the virtues of your design process and make it make your process sell. And if you can't if you can't do that, if you can't make a page of sketches or some pictures of prototypes working um or or whatever look good like you you can get a get a half decent camera borrow one off a friend um it's all about lighting you can do most of this with a phone camera with an iphone or whatever if it, you're better off buying a uh, cheap light off amazon for 30 quid than you are trying to buy good cameras sure. um if you're it's sometimes harder to try and do white wall photography with um with things so just Set up, set up a little scene on a kitchen table or, or whatever that looks relatively clean. Get a good set of lights and take photos with your iPhone. And you also have the resource of all of YouTube and all of the internet to tell you how to make a three-point lighting system, how to do this, that, or the other. I, I, I don't think the excuse that I can't make it look good is a good enough excuse no, to not put process into your portfolio. Um, and if... If I'm not seeing process, if I'm not seeing the the nitty gritty and the depth behind a beautiful render, my first my first go to impression is that there isn't that depth, and I might be wrong in that, but my assumption is uh, this person hiding the fact that there is depth behind good renders. So prove to me that that is wrong. Show yeah, yeah. me a show me a beautiful render. Draw me in get my attention and then wow me by proving that there is something behind that beautiful render. And that's when, if I get that feeling of surprise that, Oh wow, this is really pretty render. And this person's got some thought going on behind it. That's when I'm going to sit back and go, okay, I'm going to read that second paragraph. Um, I'm going to give that this next page a little bit of a longer look. Um, so I'd say that's pretty vital. I think some people can be quite, nervous when it comes to obviously showing the process and I know I know from personal experience that I'm quite embarrassed to show all of my my work and all of the sketches that I've done but actually I think sort of the raw aspect of it really shows your creativity and I think the more raw your sketches is and the, and the less refined they are kind of shows how, how wild and crazy you can go with your ideas and how far and extreme you can go with your modeling and if it's just a bit of foam that's been you know taped to something else uh, and you're you're showing the process of using it and you're showing how 
how almost you're trying to imagine and obviously with the person who's reading your portfolio how you're trying to get them to imagine with you what this could look like then there's a certain skill with that as well yes i would um i would give a caveat to that line of thinking which is that at at an institutional level when you're at uni or, or college you're doing an apprenticeship whatever kind of path you're taking to get to this point where you're looking to apply you may be doing steps within your development process which you are box ticking for getting marks or going through process yeah. which absolutely no problem like that's part of pass part of the parcel of getting through uh into into getting your degree look at everything that you're putting in your portfolio really critically now and say to yourself what value does this bring to this project to the development of this project i don't i don't want to see a blue foam chunk that you've got in your hand telling me that you're doing ergonomics testing when i know for a fact that that blue piece of foam that you've you've sculpted into a handhold you did just to meet the requirements of an ergonomics professor at some point it's it's kind of obvious in that sense and i would say to yourself look yeah. at the project imagine that you're being paid to develop that project and would you really be putting that in what what is the valuable step by step and get rid of the bs that might be part of the the requirement to get through as as a uni student and look at it as a yeah. what's the the shortest line from beginning to end that i actually would have taken and then show me that um and it's just getting to out of that headspace isn't it of being a student and changing your headspace to being a professional like yeah, they're two yeah. separate and and to tack on to that it's easy to fall into the trap of shoehorning in every skill set because you think it's necessary you've you've gone to lectures or seminars where you're taught how to do hand sketching and then you're working on keyshot or whatever rendering software you use you're doing cad blah 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 blah. there's at the moment you've got these lego bricks i was talking about earlier you've got these all quite distinct in your head as these are the skills that i've learned blah 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 some of those might not resonate with you as an individual you might not resonate with um doing sketching that's a classic one some people come out of uni and they're just like i'm not a great sketcher but i feel mm. the need because i was taught that that was part of quote unquote the process i was taught that i should put sketching into the my process to show what it's about but i know i'm not very good at it and i don't aspire to be better at it in which case you don't have to put it in you don't have to shoehorn every skill in even if you don't feel confident in it put the stuff that you're you feel hot at um and make that front and center because you might detract from the stuff that you're really powerful at by trying to be everything to everyone in every part of of that development process kind of yeah. see where i'm coming from yeah 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 i completely agree with that i can see uh, how someone can easily yeah as you say want to include everything and and show all these amazing skills when actually you know if you're not here yeah if you're not good at it don't worry show off really who you are. and i suppose that comes off in their personality as well what you know you see in their portfolio who they are in person you know if, if they're not great at sketching and then they go off and talk about their project and talk about these other amazing skills obviously which they didn't show off as much in their portfolio i think they've let themselves down a bit whereas you know if they can really show off those skills and then display it in their work it 
it adds up. Yeah. yeah, the more time you're spending, sort of like, not fake selling, but rather sort of like saying you're good at sketching, you enjoy sketching when really you don't, is less time you can then spend actually selling the skills you do have. So yeah. you're kind of then, you're therefore underselling in other areas because you're having to compensate by trying to sell more in areas which actually you aren't that interested in. To to give an insight here, in the in the real working world, you let's take sketching as an example. You're probably not going to um, sit there for three hours making a beautiful sketch of a concept before anyone's seen it, just because you can. Uh, you're probably going to go away and do something really rough and ready that you never want the world to see, but it's a stopgap towards a process which leads you on to something else. And knowing that you're able to do that three-hour beautiful sketch is really useful. But if it doesn't fit anywhere in your path of why have you done that and where does it lead you, what's the before and after of that skill, Mm -hmm. um, I would rather see a messier sketch that I can see the transition of thought between where that sketch came from and where it's leading you than a sketch plonked on a page that was like I took my headphones and did a sketch of them because I wanted to um there's more value in that first one maybe um yeah but I say all of this this (laughs) this is the problem and this is why right at the beginning of the conversation I was like I'm trying to tell you how to draw yourself portrait the problem with all of this is you need to understand where every place that you're applying what value they're going to put on this stuff so i'm saying all of this from the perspective of who nike design are i'm saying it from the perspective of what i look at and what i care about you might unfortunately if you're really proactive and you you're you want to be that five percent better than everyone else you might need to be willing to go into your portfolio and chop and change things depending on who you're talking or pitching to. So if you go to consultancy A, who is super concept heavy, who works on early development stuff, they want to see Photoshop rendering coming out of your ears and they don't care if you know what a draft angle is, then you're going to need to pitch yourself slightly different. And if you're throwing a really wide net out to try and get yourself a job which i think a lot of people are in the current climate trying to just get an option get an opportunity you might need to be willing to have a couple of versions of your portfolio that you specifically shoot across to the right people yeah just adapting yourself to the area and design in which you're you're trying to get the job in that makes perfect sense Hmm. so going a bit deeper into your your company then um so thinking about sort of new designers who start uh, start with you so how would you how would you start with them you know how how would you almost initiate them into the business you know would you would you drop them straight in the deep end uh or do you sort of ease them in a little with some some easy work or just just getting the coffee i'll answer this as a small business owner if you went and worked for your big um your big company uh your your pears and your um your bananas uh you're gonna find that those guys will have a tailored process that you're gonna walk down um they will put you through a three-month um uh kind of internship program where you're next to other people doing the same things they're gonna spy where you might be good at and they're gonna direct you if you're going to a smaller business like my consultancy for example you're probably going to find that it will be more tailored specifically towards you. So 
it's more about a philosophy than it is about a specific thing that I might do because I will chop and change projects as I'm seeing you work on them. So um, to answer your question fundamentally, I will my my premise is I give trust until it's proven that I shouldn't. So I will from day one trust that you will be working on this project and provide this output i'm going to give you trust that you can time manage i'm going to give you trust that what you showed me in your portfolio you're going to carry through and until you prove to me that that isn't the case i'm going to pile more uh, weight on you to see in which direction do you start failing in which direction do you start succeeding um so that's the kind of philosophy it's all my uh, I would rather give you the freedom to make a mistake um, yeah. and see how I've forgotten where I heard that we um, it's it's in our failures that we are um, we're that we're most prevalent you know it's it's in the things that we we are we are seen in the things that we fail more than we're seen yeah. in the things that we succeed. And so I can tell a lot more about someone in some in something that they drop the ball on, and then how they deal with that dropped ball, than yeah. necessarily yeah, the fact that I yeah of course yeah if I give you something that I know you're going to do and it's safe, then I'm never going to see where your limits are. I'm never going to see where your potential is, and we both want that. Everyone wants to be pushed here. Um, you guys want to be pushed beyond what you currently know, and. Mm we as businesses want to get the most value out of you. Um, so that's the kind of general philosophy yeah. I take. I'm sure I a, think lot that's of, great. a lot of designers would God, really value that. I mean, I think if, especially in some of the internships that I've I've done, I think I would have really valued someone to just be like, go nuts, you know, show me what you can do. And, and I think that, that shows a lot of respect for, especially for a young designer, sort of not really babying them and saying, right, start with this start really small i think sort of opening the doors really wide and just letting them show you all the amazing skills that they can do and obviously if they do make a mistake then then show you how much they can they can bounce back be resilient and improve their hard workingness and their you know their their attention yeah it's what i would say is always put in your mind here that this it's advantageous to the place you're working at for you to do more than what you said you were going to do and mm. for you to do a better job you, your employer your boss your manager wants wants to be pleasantly surprised and wants you to take more work off their hands than they think you are going to so no one's ever going to say to you oh wait like sally why are you doing a better job and doing more work? No one's ever going to complain <laughs> at that. So, uh, Set so bar low. That's what you got to do. <laughs> I would, I would um, look. If you go into an internship and someone's saying to you for the first two weeks, you're just going to be um, copying papers. First of all, that that's um, you know something that should have been made clear to you up front. You should be questioning what you're going to be doing before you even get to that point but if you are just uh just jump and and this this might feed into to other things but just um be proactive because if you're proactive you might find that you surprise someone and you might find that surprise leads to an opportunity that's more down the lines of what you're trying to achieve than than you already have um mm. 
No, I think so one of the things people are always worried about with internships is if they get something where they don't feel quite ready enough because they're only, you know, they haven't finished their degree yet. So they might feel they're not ready to go into the world of work. But having heard you then just say about, you know, it's fine to make mistakes, a company, and that will learn what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and not to worry. And it's more about how you bounce back and get on with it, even if you aren't completely comfortable in a certain sector of design. I think that's going to be very sort of like insightful and useful to a lot of design students who are worried about that jump that actually yeah. it's fine you know you, you're never going to be you know, you're never going to be 100 percent prepared for everything you know you could you could spend 10 years trying to prepare yourself for every single skill and every single field of design but you know at some point you're going to have to make the dive and make the jump uh you know into the industry really everything about being a designer is compromise um everything about the process you're compromising engineering challenges you're compromising aesthetic challenges costs everything is this like balancing act and that goes beyond just your design work it goes into your management of time it goes into your management of a project the way that you interact with people and um you can you can kind of I would say that every really valuable lesson that most people learn comes from some kind of, I made a mistake, damn it, I never want to make that mistake again. Yeah. And uh, A, you need to be offered the freedom to make that mistake. Um, B, your uh, employer isn't going to expect you to be uh, a crystal clean, like you're a human, you're going to make mistakes here. What is more important is A, I've made a mistake, I'm going to I'm going to own up to that mistake and give a constructive way that I'm going to get out of it. And then B, I'm approaching these problems knowing that mistakes are possible and I'm going to try and mitigate that to begin with. You know, I'm going to have plans in place like, oh, I expect this, this has the highest risk of going wrong. And if so, I'm kind of already thinking about how I can solve it or I'm making decisions now that could make that mistake less impactful if it happens. And that's basically everything we do. Um, you never know, no one knows, no matter how long you've been designing injection moldings, you never know what's gonna happen with an injection mold until a piece of plastic comes out of it. Uh, and sometimes things will surprise you and they'll start warping and going wibbly wobbly and will never work in a product. And you have to apologize and you have to find a solution to it. That's fine. But what you can do leading up to that is mitigate that damage. And that goes for whether you're spending £20,000 on some tools for a client and they're committed to your designs for it, or whether you're um, scanning in a document that they need you to do. Like Everything has a knock-on of risk and reward, and you can balance that. No, that's very that's so true with just life in general, isn't it? You gotta you gotta take risks in order to gain big rewards. So it rings true everything you're saying. There you it's go. Quite, it's moved from product design to just general life advice. It's, just, it's perfect. It is I mean it is life advice when you when you put it down to the fundamentals. I mean, every everything in life is you know, how much risk am I willing to put in to get so much reward? And I think taking that step into getting your first job, getting your first internship, uh, is is obviously a big risk for you. But you need to know that the reward at the end of it is definitely going to be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So um, we'll move on now just to the last question from us before we move on to some questions from our followers. So that is, 
would you ever be encouraged in the future at Nike Design to bring in interns, whether it be for just summer, a year, a few weeks? Is it something that's on the horizon or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's you're obviously catching me and the industry at a volatile, probably the best <laughs> word to use yeah, time. Choice, um, yeah. It's uh, it's difficult. Everyone and I'm making assumptions of every other business here, but from my client conversations, from talking to um, friends who own businesses and everything in between, we've all lost a huge ability to foreshadow what's going to be happening. Um, So committing to you, yeah, I'm going to be doing this scheme every year for this amount of time isn't really a possibility. But um, yeah, uh, the idea of bringing in people for a given amount of time is absolutely on the horizon it's a matter of who for how long what's the investment from my perspective do i see a payout either in terms of it makes me happy or it is there an actual payout in um in the fact that it brings something to the business um these are all things that that we have to judge when we when we offer these positions but yes long story short we we have that uh, opportunity that's absolutely brilliant. No, thank Excellent. you so much for answering our questions. So now we're going to be moving on to some questions from, from you guys, our, our followers. So we've got a question here from JTS Designs, who's asking, what's the best advice for trying to find an internship? Uh, it's a good question. And I uh, I don't think there's a nice, simple, oh, here's a golden bullet for you to find a place. Um, I guess being bold <laughs> is a pretty good response um ask if you can contact someone go on linkedin or whatever it's uh, we've got the joy of just being able to google and linkedin search and email people and ask if you can buy someone a coffee just say to them yo can i grab you for 10 minutes and buy you a coffee and um maybe approach the question of wanting to get an internship more from the perspective of hey i'm this young excited designer who's really amazing uh will you will you give me an opportunity to just talk about my me in the business and where i want to go and focus it on that line rather than hey i want a job um and you never know like the 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 best case scenario there is they give you a position and you've got a mentor. The worst case scenario is they say no, uh, which they're going to say if they don't have a position going anyway. So it's I feel like there's more to be won from just being bold and asking if you can buy someone a, a coffee um, and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, maybe that that's, is a good bit of advice. No, I definitely think that's a good bit of advice. Rather than just cold cold calling every company you can think of, just saying have you got jobs have you got jobs this is me actually leading in by saying well can i just sit down with you and explain how i can better your company you're straight away giving value to them so i think yeah well i would almost say make the conversation about hey i are you willing to be generous with quarter of an hour of your time and have a coffee with me and look at my portfolio and talk about it in that perspective and in that if you can get someone to sit down and have a coffee with you and talk about your work then in that conversation you say i am looking for an internship you're more likely to get ears on you than just cold asking for an internship um people are more generous with their time than maybe you give them credit for and people will be generous to 
give you some feedback, especially if you're buying a, Who doesn't want a coffee bought for them? No, exactly. exactly. I mean, you've got to imagine <laughs> these guys are getting, what, 100 emails a day probably from similar students are saying, hi, I do this, this is my CV. So I think contacting them and saying, hey, can I buy your coffee and talk about my portfolio? I think that's a, probably a bit of a break for them. They're probably actually quite pleased to see that rather than the same default paragraph that they're used to getting every single day. And exactly. who doesn't love freebies? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If they don't drink coffee, just buy them a, a toy from beer. Buy them a cake. Beer, cake, cake, <laughs> buy them a cake. cake. A beer cake. Beer cake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so this actually feeds quite well into the second question we've got from one of the coolest names. We've got the Sloth World. Nice. So uh, this this one is probably a very similar answer. But let's say you've been out of the design world for a few years. So let's say you graduated. I don't know, 2017. You went off and did sales for example and you've realized actually sales isn't for me i want to get back into design what what would you say is a good way about getting an internship even though you've sort of like moved away from design sure well you're no first of all you're no worse off in terms of where you are in your life than someone that's coming out of a university and also hasn't got experience so the idea that going and doing a different job somehow makes you behind those other people i think is a slight uh, misnomer I would say you can play it to your advantage to be honest with you these um, being in a position where you've gone and gotten a job you've got a few years of life experience above other people you're yeah. going to be more mature you're probably going to have more experiences than you give yourself credit for you're going to be better at managing your time your life um, just go into it with that maturity and say and be honest and just say yeah. Look, I tried this it wasn't for me but you know what I've I'm pretty good at running a nine to five life right now and I've got a good grasp on my on what I want and the fact that you've come back to design is it plays to your advantage because you've already tested another option and, and know that design is more likely going to be the thing that you want to go into so the idea that you're somehow behind someone and that you've got to catch up to them I think is is a construct. Um, it just means that you might need to put a bit more of your own time. And this is the, I think this is the problem with um, the design world in general is the amount of uh, untrackable, unpaid amount of time that you're going to be spending doing stuff like building a portfolio, doing a personal yeah. project. You're never going to get paid for that, and it sucks because it's just it's resource that people in our society are spending just doing free stuff under the guise that they might get something out of it at the end. Um, but you might need to do a bit of that, unfortunately, to make bring your portfolio up to current standards, make sure that you're still good with your skills, that you know what the extrude button on SolderWorks does or whatever, um, and, and polish yourself back up. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't be a, a behind anyone else that's also trying to get those positions play it into your hand no that that makes sense it shows like you said that you've you've moved away from design and you've experienced something else you know that's not right for you and if anything that that proves even more in your head that design is is what you enjoy because you won't go back to it if you didn't so yeah awesome so we've got another question here from vmr design who's asking what is the best way for a student to make the most out of an internship we've already touched on this a little if you want to go a bit more in depth sure um the best way to make the best out of your internship just say yes to everything (laughs) Um, 
VAS man, like it might seem menial, but being positive is a huge trait. Your personality that you bring to this is a huge element of what is going to drive you getting opportunities here. Um, If you can do what they've asked you, even if it appears like it's belittling or small or, or isn't as exciting or novel as you maybe want to be doing, if you can just get that out of the way quickly, efficiently, and then you're more likely to be put on a task you want, and then um, just ask questions. You know, you're going to be surrounded by people doing the thing that you're aspiring to do. You're going to have other designers around you. You're going to have directors above you. Um, There's going to be a litany of people that have all the experience that you're trying to get. Just... um, use that environment talk to them you're going to be sat in an office or whatever space with these guys just uh make make contacts make friends uh ask questions pose sit over someone's shoulder for two seconds be like why have you done that Uh, how did you do this um you're going to learn maybe more the through that line of being inquisitive than through the the role that they specifically set you on for that internship about what you do around your role as well as what you do in your role yeah and the more you ask those questions you never know like Mm -hmm. the people who are setting you those tasks might be looking at you going oh wait a minute little johnny is coming in little johnny (laughs) 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 that's the most patronizing thing uh big johnny is coming in and uh asking all of these interesting questions and looks really uh involved maybe i'll get them to shadow maybe i'll put this side project on them or, or whatever yeah. but if you're not asking the questions how do people know that you want to get get into it no no great answer so the next question now is from well it's a mixture part of the questions from no dot render and the other one is from the artsy potato <laughs> there we go gotta love the names instagram comes up with some beauties so this is always a big and controversial topic I feel when it comes to internships and it's to do with whether or not you get paid so what are your personal opinions on unpaid internships and how does somebody that doesn't already have work experience so this is their first ever design job whatever go about trying to get paid for the the work they're doing yeah it's a tough one it's a tricky one that's a good one it's a a tricky one. one and it's a great question and I think it's it sucks that you guys have to ask that question of yourselves fundamentally i think that it's a it's a it's something that the design industry and i'm sure other industries but i can only speak to ours i think the design industry needs to have a hard look at itself and to be honest feel ashamed that we're in a position that um that people are giving away their time for free there's there's a yeah. few jobs in your life where you're expected to do them without getting paid, like being a, being a parent. You don't get paid to be a parent, but it's a job like anything else. Um, yeah. Like there's, If you look at the resource that you put out in your life, you've um, the fact that you go in and into offering someone value and they're not... It feels disrespectful um, to yeah. me. That doesn't, my opinion on that though, and me getting on my soapbox doesn't help because I do think some of the big players, some of the guys out there who have a brand associated with them where there's an expectation that if you have that logo on your portfolio that it's going to make you stand above Mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. 
there's this expectation that you need that and you're gonna you would almost pay them to go through the door just to get that and i think that's sad and i think that's an abusive brand to be honest um however that doesn't help you if you're in that position i would say i'd say unfortunately if you can if you really want it if you can see that um having company a on your portfolio and they're not going to pay you will propel you into a direction and it's clear to you what they're going to add um and you you are fortunate enough to be in a position where you either have your own finances somehow or a parent or something like this it unfortunately all of this benefits middle class uh, prosperous uh, people with privilege this this only benefits privileged people and it's it all fits into my big gripe with the design industry is that it if you don't have privilege it's really difficult to play with people who do mm-hmm. um so my long answer is i'm really sorry and i don't think that should be the case and i think there needs to be a big awakening within the industry to stop this practice from happening however mm. if you can afford to do it and be really critical as to whether it's going to be worth it for you to yeah. do that um genuinely ask them like be critical in their face what are you going to give me for this these uh thousand hours of free work i'm going to give you um if you if the answer to that is yes you can't get that elsewhere um, and you can afford it then all power to you um Mm. if you can't you can get that with someone else who will pay you you can get those hard skills somewhere else it just won't be attached to the brand that might excite you yeah, I think for things like eight-week internships or eight-week work placements, I can understand sometimes if they don't pay you on some occasions if it is just a short little one and you are getting yeah. loads in those eight weeks. But I, I, I personally feel if you're going for a year somewhere and you're putting a year's worth of your life into a company and they're not paying you for it. No, I, I think there's an element here where you kind of... Again, this is super difficult for me to try and say this to you guys because you want to get the best career start and if that means not taking an opportunity i totally understand it but there's a part of all of this which is valuing yourself exactly and you are valuable um you bring a novel way of thinking you bring excitement and youth and opportunity that has a value associated with it and you should value yourself for that um i would say in terms of asking, I think that question at the end was about how do you negotiate and how do you ask for money? Um, yeah, what, so it was what, how, if you've been out, uh, I'm just trying to find it, how does one with prior work experience, no prior work experience, go about negotiating payments? So it's your first ever internship, you've got nothing to fall back on, no references to prove that you are who you say you are. Like, How do you then go forward? The The thing I would say here is don't let the fear of money conversations get in the way of you having those conversations. Um, You are exponentially more scared of talking about money than the person who you're talking to. It's their job to talk about money. They already have a figure in their head before they even talk to you. They've had this conversation 20 times. Um, You're the sticking point. This is in your head that that fear is coming from. So just have the confidence raise your shoulders know you're valuable and say and pose the question confidently and say say to them i 
I want this figure or I think I'm th- this value and start that conversation because they, they're not going to blink an eye the fact that you've asked that stuff. And what's the yeah. worst case? They say no. <laughs> yeah. That is just the worst at the end of the day. So, But you were going to do it for free anyway, right? Exactly. So if you've asked, exactly. what, are you, what are you losing? I agree with you completely on that one. So, so our last question, which I think is actually a perfect question to end on, and is something that I think nearly all young designers are worried about, is does your college matter? So for those in the UK, does your university matter? And I'm assuming linking obviously to your personal resume and obviously having that big name on your resume. Sure. Uh, uh, On the face of it, no. No, I don't care where you've come from. (laughs) That might sound really uh, blunt, but it's... I don't care if you learn all of your skills sitting in a shoebox in your room for two years. Um, if you've got the skills, that's what matters. If you've got the personality, that's what matters, not where you've come from. Now, that is on the face of it. Yeah, There are intangibles that these institutions give you, and they are not unsurmountable. You can get these in other places, and just because you've got that name associated with you it does not beget you the benefits that these have, but you're, you maybe have a step up in stuff like networking um, and who you're surrounded by. So you might come out of uni with a bunch of mates or a bunch of people who are above you in year groups. You might be preceded by other people who are going to go on to run places you might have lecturers who have ins with certain industries it's hard mm-hmm. to get around that networking thing but if you're if you're the right personality you're gonna be pushing that stuff no matter where you've gone if you've even gone to a institution um and then i guess the other thing they've they've got is like facilities and resources um if your uni only has one rep rap and you want to do a 3D print, but you're sat in a queue of 60 people all trying to print ridiculously large objects. Um, that's yeah. a that's a, a hard um, pill to swallow. Um, and FYI, everyone's buying 3D printers. That's It's madness how many yeah. people own 3D <laughs> yeah. printers. You uh, get those little desktop ones for like £300 now. So It is nuts that the number of people I see coming out of uni now. I'd say it was the majority were coming out of uni with their own 3D printers. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're pretty funky stuff. <laughs> the... I'm a I'm a big 3D printer follower. They are brilliant machines. Wow. So you're one of them. You're one of the people that has a million 3D Oliver printers. Oliver is one of them. Oh, Fair yeah. enough. If you never went to uni or college and you were sat in your bedroom for two years learning all of this from let's face it everything that we learned at uni most of what uh, you know i went to brunel and i know there's a there's a uh, an aura associated with that if if there is you learn half of your skills not from sitting in a lecture hall they don't teach you how to surface model on solidworks they might be a subject a project on it but that's not how you learn it you learn it by doing it and anyone can do it anyone can um uh can be canny and use intuition and and get on their own path towards learning this stuff if you're the right personality and that speaks when you see a portfolio so it doesn't matter but it can matter 
if you're it's easier to do those things when you have those high grade institutions but it doesn't stop you brilliant stuff i i think that's a, a really good place to 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 end on we've we've i think we've covered almost everything which you can think of when it comes to portfolio cvs what you should be doing in internships we've covered payments i think overall it's been very insightful and we massively thank you for your time it's more than all right it's, i expect to receive um a, a litany of incredible uh applications now <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna your your inbox is gonna be full of of student applications now yeah yeah i look forward to it no truly it's <laughs> it's a pleasure to uh, chat to you guys and i think what you're doing's doing is great so um yeah look forward to seeing where where you go and where your listeners go it's it's an exciting time amazing stuff thank you so much for being on this with us no problem cheers guys so on next week's episode we're joined by branding harry who's going to show us how to turn your simple instagram into an amazing design account which can be found by millions of companies see you next week thanks for listening to our latest podcast you can find more episodes on apple music spotify anchor or youtube make sure to check out our Instagram at Student Design Showcase where we share the best student design work from around the world alongside helpful daily tutorials.